Okay. Rashi Shmini. Vayikra Tzav Shmini. Right, those are the first three parashiyot in the book of Vayikra. Uh, everybody knows that the parashiyot of Vayikra and Tzav are about korbanot. The difference between them, they talk about the same korbanot. But the parish of Vayikra talks about the bringer of the korban. Whether you have to bring this kind of korban, whether it's chatat, whether you bring an ashar, it talks about the bringer of the korban. And the, the parish of Saab talks about how the korban is going to be given. But they're about korbanot. Now naturally, naturally these two parashiyot are a uh, reasonable continuation of the end of the book of Shemot. Because the end of the book of Shemot, the Mishkan was completed. God's presence was made available to B'nai Yisrael in the Oel Mo'ed. And the time came to do it. To, to do the Korbanot. So Vayikra and Sav are a reasonable continuation of the book of Shemot. Even though it's a separate book, and that itself is a question, why the parashiyot of Ayikra and Saab are separated from the book of Shemot. Right, there's the book of Shemot, there's a separation, and then there's the book of Ayikra. But the book of Ayikra is apparently a, clearly a continuation of the book of Shemot. That's Ayikra and Saab. Now we come to the parasha of Shmini. The parasha of Shmini is Vayihi Bayoma Shmini. On the eighth day, which eighth day is the Torah referring to? So Rashi says, you don't have this on the sheet, but Rashi says, you can trust me. Shmini la milu'i. This is the eighth day, the eighth day of milu'im. The milu'im are the days of the setting up of the Mishkan. Moshe Rabbeinu set it up and took it down and set it up and took it down. On the eighth day, he set it down. The eighth day was also, what's the date that we assume the eighth day of the milu'im? is the first of, of Nisan. Right? We're not sure. It could have been the eighth of Nisan. It could have started on the first day of Nisan. But we assume, Rashi assumes, Chazal, based on a certain Chazal, that it was the eighth day of Nisan. I'm sorry, the first day of Nisan is the eighth day of the Miluim. So we begin here, here in the Pasha Shmini, a description of the eighth day of the Miluim. Right, so it's a little bit confusing. Maybe the description of the eighth day of the Miluim should have taken place at the end of the book of Shemot. But the distinction is that the subject, I mean a distinction is, like you could like it or not, but a distinction is that in the book of Shemot, the subject under discussion is the Mishkan the building of the Mishkan. In the Yom Hashmini, the discussion is the transfer of the authority of the Kuhuna, of the priesthood, from Moshe Rabbeinu to Aaron HaKohen. That's the, that's the, so it's not so unreasonable that this story is told twice. That first you have the story of the Mishkan until the end of Shemot, then you have the story of the Korbanot that had to be brought in this Mishkan that were built. And then, as an aside almost, you had by Yom HaShmini a different story. This is the story of Aaron HaKohen. 
So the story of Aaron Cohen is the story of what Aaron Cohen did on the eighth day. He became, he was invested with the job of, of Kohen Gadol by giving the Begadim, he was dressed for the part, so to speak. He became, and then he did Avodah, right? He, he Aaron Cohen did Avodah as the Kohen Gadol until that time the Kohen Gadol apparently was Moshe Rabbeinu. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, here, now it's you. It's your turn. So this is like another story. It's a story of Moshe and Aaron. And the Torah, the Torah apparently tells, this, tells these stories at two different levels. It's not so interested in mixing, mixing everything around. Because the Torah wanted us to understand that the story of building the Mishkan is not the same as the story of creating the new Kohen Gadol right because the Kahuna passing to I mean you could argue after all the Kahuna the priesthood the Leviah passing to the family of Levi of which Aaron was a member was not the, the best option right the best option before the Chaita Baragim before the Chaita Egel was that the Bukhar in every family would be a Kohen so that, that you have two different stories, right? The story of the building of the Mishkan is a necessary story. So the Mishkan, Truma Tetzava, Vayakob Pekudeh, and then Vayikra Tzav, that's a necessary story. But the story of the investiture of Aaron Akoin is going Godol, we don't know who the Kohen Godol might have been. At least the way the Torah tells the story, the Kohen Godol could have been somebody else. So that story is told separately. The story of the investiture of Aaron as Kohen Gogol, taking over from Moshe Rabbeinu, is a separate story. So that the story in the beginning of the, the first chapter of, of Shmini, Parashat of Ayikra, the story of the investiture of Aaron Cohen is the story of what he did on that day. What Aaron Cohen did on what sack, were the clothes that he wore, the anointment that he went through, the sacrifices that he brought, all of which indicated that he was special. Right? All of which indicated that he was special. That's called investiture. Right? You do it. Right? You don't, like you don't say, okay, next time around, you'll do it. But you say, do it. Right? Until now, I did it. Now you do it. So Aaron, I call him, became a coach. So what I'm trying to explain is, what, I, oh, what I've tried to explain is that it's not entirely unreasonable. It's not entirely unreasonable that these stories are separated. Even though when we learned Vayaka and Pekudei, you might have asked the question. How come the, 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 uh, the idea of Yom HaShmini is missing? But if you separate the strands, and you say that on the one hand is the story of the building of the Mishka, and the other hand is the story of making Aaron the Kohen Godot. And the building of the Mishka is a necessary thing. It has to be built. And Aaron the Kohen, well, you know, all kinds of stories. Even in the, if you learn the Rashi's, the first chapter, you see Aaron was in a constant, we'll see in the Rashi that we're going to learn also, Aaron himself was constantly suspicious that his inability to achieve what he wanted to achieve was because of his participation in the Chet Ego. Remember? Aaron Cohen participated in the Chet Ego. We don't know exactly what that means, but we know what the Torah says, but we don't know 
how guilty he was, how culpable he was. We don't know what the result, but in any event, he became Kohen Gadol. And yet, Aaron Cohen was always unhappy with himself, according to Chazal, because he was always bearing the weight of the burden of his participation in the Chet Ega. So that we try to explain why the Pasha Shmini is the third parasha in Vayikra and not part of the last parasha in Shemot because it has a distinction it talks about something new and the new thing that it talks about is the investiture of Aaron Akohen is going that dope something that did not have to be <coughs> and was not apparently originally intended but that the Levian, the ones who worked in the Beit HaMikdash should have been the Bechorim but the Bechorim, as you know, didn't turn out as well as they might. Then at the end of this story, after Aaron Cohen becomes Cohen Gadot, and after he gives the sacrifices that he wants to give, and he's standing at this point where everything should happen, like it should all happen, well, whatever's supposed to happen, like God's presence in the Almighty should be made known to everybody, the Pasuk says this. Pasuk Kavet. It's on the sheet. Now we're looking at the sheet. Vayikra, Vaisa Aronet Yad. Dav, Vaisa Aronet Yadav. He picked up his hands. Right, do you remember Birkat Kohanim? In Shul? I mean, in Chutzlaz we didn't look, but it is where we do it every day, so everybody looks. No. <laughs> You remember in Chutzlaretz, it was like a frightening time of the, of, of the, of the davening, like Birkat's Kohanim, they would come in and, and all the fathers would cover their sons up with, with, with a palace as though some pestilence was about to erupt in the synagogue. And, and, and the, and the Chazin would start like really doing it, like he was really into it, the Chazin, he was like warbling away. And here, that if we do it every day. It's hard to get excited about it. But in fact, what they do do, what we do, what the Kohanim do, is the Kohanim cover up their faces. I mean, the reason that they cover their faces is that the, the comedians in the Tzibur should not be able to distract them, you know, by making faces or, uh, or something, so they cover themselves with a talent. So it's kind of irrelevant to everybody who cover themselves with a talent like like that, no one will know the place. Like we're, we're going to finish right the Chazid also covered his head with the talus. Then how would he be able to, to know the place for the Kohanim? You know, like he would be saying it by heart for the Kohanim who are not supposed to be saying it by heart. That doesn't make much sense. But in any event, that's what it says in the Pasuk. Here's Aaron, he's now the Kohen Gadol. What's his first act that he does? By Isa, I mean, the first act that's not programmed up to now is Moshe Rabbeinu saying to Aaron, look Aaron, get dressed here's your anointing, we're anointing you now, Make, do these korbanot, you know, like he's showing, him, he's showing him the procedure and all of a sudden the subject of the pasuk is Aaron HaKohen Aaron HaKohen acts, Vaisa Aaron et Yadav, El Ha'av Vayivarachet Vayered Ma'asot HaChatat Va'olav Ashlamim so this sounds like a really nice pasuk Right, here's Aaron Akohen. He did. He, he, the second half of the Pasuk, without getting into the Hebrew. Like, you know, we might not say it quite that way, but it's a nice phrase. He went down. It doesn't mean down 
from up necessarily, they could have come down from the Mizbeah, but it means he, he left. He left this job. He finished the Chatat, the Olah, and the Shlamim. All of that was finished. But before he finished that, before he Vayereg, he's Vayereg. He, 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 uh, he gives this bracha. Vayavo Moshe Aaron el Ol Mo'ei. So Moshe and Aaron somehow they got together and they went back to the Ol Mo'ei. Vayetzu Vayevarchu et ha'am ve'erak v'od Hashem el kol ha'am. So we have this problem. If Aaron gave a bracha, so how come Moshe and Aaron together had to give another bracha? Or alternatively, if Aaron already gave a bracha, so why does there have to be a Moshe and Aaron kind of bracha? What's, what exactly are the psukim trying to indicate? Uh, question. Anybody can ask that question. Rashi answers that question in a very special way. And it's important to know exactly what Rashi says. You see the Rashi? I'm reading Rashi. So Rashi, Rashi knows absolutely. But right? he has no qualms. And he has no doubts. When Aaron Cohen said a bracha, the bracha that he said was what we call Birkat Kohanim. The three psukim, the is you can't detract from them, you can't add to them. Aaron Cohen said these three psukim. How does Rashi know? I mean, yes, it's true. Rashi got it from Chazal. But when I say, how does Rashi know? I mean, what was the, the hint that this was in fact the case? I mean, it doesn't say it in the Pasuk. And to the best of our knowledge, the Birkat Kohanim was introduced in the Torah, in the parasha of Naso, Bamidbar Naso, right? Which is still a few weeks away. So if the Torah doesn't teach us the Birkat Kohanim until the parasha of Nassau, how do we know that Aaron knew it? That he knew this Birkat Kohanim and he knew it to say. I mean, it could be. It could all be. I mean, I'm not, we're not, I'm not trying to disagree with Rashi, either of them. What I'm trying to do is probe what possible reason Rashi could have had for saying this. I mean, Chazal, Rashi, right? So, obviously the answer is that if, I mean, not obviously, but an answer might be this. That if Aaron gave them a bracha, gave a bracha to B'nai Israel, and the Torah doesn't tell us what the bracha is, so then it's not so unreasonable to say that it was a known bracha. It, it, it was if Aaron had created some worthy bracha, so the Torah would tell us, because then we could repeat it in our, in our own time and in our own way. Just like when, when the Yaakov Abidu gave a bracha to Ephraim and Menashe, so the Torah tells us what the bracha was, and then we use that bracha, right? You see, we give you Ephraim from Menashe, so we use it. If the Torah, why wouldn't the Torah tell us the bracha that Aaron Cohen made on this most auspicious day of his life? Because it, it, the only reason, or the obvious reason, might be that we know that bracha. We know it when somebody says, so Rashi comes along and says, that's the We know that bracha. The Torah doesn't tell us what the bracha was. Because the bracha is the bracha that's given to the Kohen. Birkat Kohanim, Yivarechacha, etc. That's what Rashi, that's what Rashi says. Oh, so the Aaron Kohen gave this bracha, Birkat Kohanim, to B'nai Yisrael. 
Why then does Moshe and Aaron have to give another bracha? What was the other bracha? What could what could be bracha number one? What could be missing? What could you what 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 might you feel? Right, according to Rashi, would be missing that would enjoin Moshe and Aaron together to give a second bracha. I mean, what 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 is the point? So Rashi deals with that question. It takes Rashi a little more time to. So we'll we'll try to get the answer. Lama nichdesu. Lama nichdesu. Why did Moshe and Aaron then go to the Ohomoe? What was the, what was left over? What was there to do? I mean, Aaron finished. The day was over. His, his, his investiture had ended. He could now remove the canonicals, right? It was finished. I mean, his canonicals were big day kahuna, which are even better than canonicals. Not much better. So he says, Laban is the suit. So he says, Matsati the parashat miluim the brighta had musafid al tarat kohanim shalad. You know, Rashi, Rashi knew everything. But he said, he says, look, I had to look really hard. This is not like, you know, a regular kind of, something you learn regularly. It's not like the Medrash Rabbah or the Tanchuma, which Rashi learned Keseder in, in Orshat. This is a kind of a, a lesser known source. So Rashi says, Tosefna Torah Kaudim Shalam, Laban Nechaz Moshe Maharon, why did Moshe Rabbeinu go with Aaron into the Old Moed? Because he had to teach him about the Ketorah. The Ketorah is the incense sacrifice. And making the incense, putting it together, what exactly the ingredients were, all of this was complicated. So Moshe and Aaron went to learn about the Ketorah. Okay, that's what they did. Oh, oh. This is a quote. This continues the quote. What does all mean? Alternatively. But maybe it went for something else. What's the something else? Lo nichnas ele de davar cher. Hare di dan yirida u bi'ah to unot bracha. Ma yirida me'en avodah, bi'ah me'en avodah. So the Medrash says, this Medrash says that, that bracha, bracha, when you finish something, Right, what does it say in Pasuk Kafet? Vayered ma'asol takata. He finished. Pasuk Kafet says, Kafimel, vayavol Aaron Moshe. So that Yerida and Bi'ah, right, going away from the Mikdash and coming into the Mikdash, says, Slicha, me'en avodahi. The second white line. I'm sorry, I, I skipped something here. Oh, the, the last narrow line. The third word. That it's not so important the, the reason that they went into the old way, but that the Pasuk is telling us that certain kinds of things that you do connected to Beit HaMikdash go with a bracha. You have to get a bracha, like, like you know, when somebody gets an aliyah, get an aliyah, that's an aliyah, right? Aliyah is an aliyah, right? You go up, and even the Minhagen Shuls is that the place that you get an aliyah is, is high. 
unlike the place that, the, that you daven, the Chazanim have not accepted that, and they refuse to daven from where they're supposed to daven, and they want to daven from here, where it's high. But in fact, the Chazanim should daven over there, and over there it's not high. In fact, if you go to the, into the shul of the Ramor in Krakow, which is always a nice thing to do, you see that because the Pasuk says, Mi ma'amakim Hashem, that it's actually lower than the ground. Like there's, like there's the floor of the shul, and the place where the Chazan stands, stood, is lower than the floor. And the stender is lower than the floor. Right? That's the Mi ma'amakim. So that, that, uh, uh, but when you go to leave from the Torah, it's called an Aliyah. Right? So when you leave the, the Torah, it's called a Yerida. And what does everybody say to the person who got the Aliyah? I have to be very careful now because I was going to say to the fellow who got the Aliyah. But I know that this is treading upon dangerous ground. But, but there is, what, what do you say to the fellow who got the Aliyah? You say Yashakoyah. What's Yashakoyah? That's a bracha. That's a bracha. So you always get a bracha for Aliyah. And you always, so, so you get it. But you read that, right? You know, it's, it's like always people might wonder what you get a bracha for. Or in, in, uh, in America, footlines where the Kohanim would duchen, everybody would give a bracha to the Kohanim, right? When they would, where they would finish duchening. Like again, in Israel, it doesn't happen every morning because everybody wants to go leave the shul at that time. So they've got time for courtesies. But, but what are you giving the Kohen a bracha for? Aliyah. Aliyah for, and then for Yerida. Because the Aliyah is the Aliyah in the person. Like a person has this opportunity to be Ole. So when you're Ole, this will help us later on to understand what's going on. When you're Ole, what is the necessary but not always desired consequence? Yerida. In, in, in other words, even though Aliyah is an, is an option, is an important opportunity, right? Aliyah is an opportunity. You get to come up here to be Oleh, to the safer Torah, you get to be Oleh. But because you are Oleh, when you leave, you have to be Yoreid. So when you're Yoreid, what do you need to keep yourself going? Racha. So, so if anybody ever asks you, why you give a bracha to the person who gets an aliyah, you're better off telling him that you don't know. <laughs> but this is what it is. This is what it is. When Aaron Cohen, when Aaron Cohen was in the Beit HaMikdash and the Mishkan, and everything was happening, and the, the, the Mishkan was, was going up, and everybody was watching, and then it ended, everybody needed a bracha. Because to leave the highest place, and to go to the lower place, that's when you need a bracha. Not the kind of bracha that says, oh, I hope someday you'll get to the higher place. That's, that's nothing. But the bracha that says, I'm with you when you're returning from outer space into the atmosphere, right? And you know that you might get burnt up. That's what you really need, when you need a bracha. I mean, Hasidus, they understood this very well. They understood that life that psychologically, life was about this kind of uh, aliyah and yirida, aliyah and yirida, and that the more difficult 
thing in life is always Yurida. It's not getting high on God that's so difficult. It's going to work the next day that's difficult. And that was an issue that in Sidus they tried to deal with. In the Misnagdim they said, well, just go sit the issue, we keep learning, which of course was a very practical solution for most people. But, uh, but they didn't recognize this fluctuation. So what do you mean fluctuation? You know, when you get to where you're supposed to be, stay there. But, uh, and if you can't make it, too bad. That was like sort of the yeshiva, I mean, I'm being a little harsh on the yeshivas, but uh, since I spent my whole life in the yeshiva, I think I can take a little liberty. But, uh, but the Hasidim were not like that. The Hasidim were worried. What are you going to do after Shalashidis? You know, Shalashidis was like the height of the height of Shabbos. And all, everybody came Shalashidis to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said whatever he said. Most of the Hasidim didn't understand what he said, but they knew that they were with the highest of the high, you know, in the language of that uh, great storyteller. <laughs> so the problem was, how do you get down and not get depressed? How do you get down and you're not unhappy? How do you get down so there's a mob of mouth here? And then you go to shoot in the morning and you have to like, you have to turn the down into a preparation for the up immediately. And that's what, that's what uh, Hasidus, I'm saying it in a very general way, but a lot of, there's a lot of information in different Hasidic sources about how you turn the down into the continuation of the up. Or how you use the down to prepare yourself for the next up that's not that going to come, but it's always the down for which you need a bracha. So here's Aaron Akoin. He's standing with B'nai Yisrael. He realizes they're all coming down again, just like after, just like after the mountain Just like after the mountain What happened after the mountain They didn't have the control. They had no one who could help them with the down. And even Aaron Cohen couldn't help them with the down. So Aaron Cohen did not take any chances. He says, Brocha. Now they need a Brocha. When they're going down. And that's what the Medjur says. The Medjur says that, I mean, this is the way I understand it. My Yerido me'en Again, the last words of the first wide line. Another, another interpretation is that there was some kind of information that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to give to Aaron. in Pasukov Gimel, it just says that, that Aaron didn't do it, he stopped doing it. He left, he went away. But, so, so obviously he didn't end it. Back to the Rashi. The third wide line in the middle of the line. Aaron Akoin was unhappy. 
and he said, Yodea ni shekata kodesh bocha alai, ubishvili lo yodesh chinavi Yisrael. Amalo lo Moshe, Moshe achi, kachasita li, sheh nechtasti v'nitbayashti, says, what did you do to me? Why did you make me kohen gadol? I can't really do it. It doesn't happen. Why, why is this? Miyad, mechnas Moshe imo bikshu achami v'yadush chinavi Yisrael. So Moshe and Aaron said, you're right. I've got to do something about this. Aaron, Moshe said to Aaron, you got to do something. Let's go into the old boy and complain. They went in, they complained, and then, Yada Shechina L'Yisrael. Yada Shechina L'Yisrael. So you have like, according to Rashi, there's tension, there's, there's, there's a, a, a lack of quiet, Aaron Akoni is unhappy, but he hasn't changed his mind. That the bracha that Aaron Akoi gave to B'nai Yisrael when this was over, when he felt it was over, was the bracha we call Birkata Kohanim, even though there isn't a hint in the text that that in fact is the bracha, and there's no reason, Rashi doesn't explain to us why that would be. However, as far as Pasuk Kav Gimel is concerned, where it says, Vayivarchu Eta'am, Pasuk Kav Gimel Vayivarchu Eta'am, Rashi says this, Vayivarchu Eta'am, this is the fifth wide line Sort of in the middle of the line. Beitzuvi Ruchut Am Amru. Vayhid Noam Hashem Elokeinu Aleinu. Isn't that a nice thing to say? Amru, not Birkat Kohanim, not that high-powered Birkat Kohanim, but a kind of a pleasant bracha that anybody could say. Vayhid Noam. Hashem Elokeinu Aleinu. Whatever Noam is, pleasantness of God should be upon us. Right? Should be upon us. Yiratzon Shetishresh China Bimaseyidechem. How's that? Nice. Not nice. But not, it's not like a bracha that we make at our times in our lives. I mean, you could say it any time you want. Like we say it in davening. We say this parakintilin when we daven, but it's not like it didn't become an official bracha. And yet Rashi says, based on Chazal, this was like a kind of a, a kind of a pleasant bracha. Not like, Yivarech Hashem of Yishvarecha, which is a bracha that has dinin. Right, you know, but in other words, it has rules. You can't just say, Yivarech Hashem Yishvarecha. You have to say it at a special time, in a special place. You have to be in Kohen. You have to be in the Beit HaMikdash. I mean, we do it a little bit differently, but like, I don't want to go in, into that. But at this time, when Aaron said, Birkat Kohadim, he had to say it with point to the rules. Rules are always the difficulty. That's wonderful. That's really nice. That's really nice. All the seven days of the Miluim. Moshe Rabbeinu was the Kohen Gadol and he set it up and he took it apart. During those seven years, there was no Shechina dwelling upon that Mishkan. Right? By you, Yisrael, the Chlamim, the Omidu, Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu. People would come and they would say, another day is passed, and another day is passed, and look how hard we worked and how, 
how much we were involved in building the Mishkan and hoping against hope that the Azera of the golden calf would not be held against us. That's why previously Moshe Rabbeinu said, do what I tell you and it's going to happen. So according to Rashi, there's a subtext. There's a subtext of tension where it was very important to prove that Aaron Akohen was worthy of being the Kohen Gadol and that on his own he would be able to bring the Shekhinah to the place of the Mishkan. But in fact, he wasn't able. He was even armed with this formidable Birkat Kohanim. Aaron Akoyim wasn't able to do it on his own. And that's the end of the story according to Rashi. That's the end of the story according to Rashi. Now let's look at the story that the Ramban tells. Let's look at the story that the Ramban tells. But before we look at that story, let's look at the Pasuk at the bottom. It's always good. I like to do the short, the short references first because then I can get say we did most of them. Okay, so we can do the short reference. The short reference is a pasuk. Vayar Moshe kol ablacha v'neasu otakasher tziva Hashem keinasu. Right, this is the end of Shemot. Keinasu kol ablacha. They did it. They built the Mishkan. Everything was fine. And then it says vayivarech otam Moshe, not our own. Moshe Moshe blessed the people who built the Mishkan they made the stuff they didn't put it together right the Mishkan is a kind of a Lego right so after it was all ready it was ready to be put together they finished their job because Moshe Rabbeinu himself was going to put together the Mishkan so what did Moshe Rabbeinu do? Vayivarech Otam Moshe so we understand why it is that you have to have a bracha when you finish something great when you're up there when you're like working on God's own design right, it's absolutely demands a bracha when you finish, what was the bracha according to Rashi so you see Moshe Rabbeinu said to them according to Rashi the way Rashi understands it exactly what Moshe and Aaron said to Bnei Yisrael at the end of the Miluim on the eighth day in, in other words it's almost as though Rashi says Aaron said on his own the best bracha of all the bracha of brachot because it was the bracha that Hashem gave to the Kohanim to give to Bnei Yisrael. And the best bracha of all the brachot didn't work. And what worked was, Moshe said to Aaron, Hey, listen, let's try my bracha. I've got a bracha also. It's my bracha. It's in a, in a capital of Tehillim that starts with Moshe. It's one of the Tfilot Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu made it up. He made up that bracha. And it turns out that that bracha did it. And not the bracha of 
of Yivarechacha Shevi Yishmarechacha. And in fact, the interplay is sort of Moshe Rabbeinu saying, if you want to be the Kohen Gadol and say, Birkat Kohanim, it's not going to work. But if you want to be like me and say, Vayinoam, then it will work. And it did work. And so we're left with Rashi leaves us in a kind of a mystery. Let's look at, uh, why? Why did it happen that way? Rashi doesn't explain. Rashi just explains the pieces. Let's look at the Ramban. The Ramban says, The Ramban. The Ramban was after Rashi, right? The Ramban knew Rashi. So Ramban's looking over the situation. And the Ramban, you know, is an independent thinker and very creative and not connect, not tied down to preconceived notions. And the Ramban says, Quotes Rashi. You know, you know the Ramban. He doesn't like lack of order. A man was like a yek. You know, he wanted everything to be in its place. He wanted his death to be clean. He wanted so if Shema if Ayikwa comes before Babidbar, that's the way it should be. And if we only hear about the Birkat Kohanim and Babidbar, why should we know about it here? That's what the Rabban that's what the Rabban says. He says, Well I came. But he says in this case, maybe Rashi's right. It's not really a, it's not really a lack of order. I mean, to say that Aaron Akoni knew something before the Torah actually wrote it down. That's not so impossible. It's not, it doesn't mean that the Torah is not written in a chronological manner. It just means that there was other kind of information available, and Aaron had this information about the Birkat Kohanim. So he says, like <laughs> because there in Bamidbar, Smucha, so the Ramban even wants to bring a proof for the Rashi contention. And what's the proof? That over there by Midbar, where it says, it's right next to the parasha, that the day that, it, that, the, that the Mishkan was finished. So Birkat Kohanim was taught to the Kohanim. So if Birkat Kohanim was taught to the Kohanim on that day, so obviously it makes sense to say that here, the parasha Shmini, what Moshe Rabbein, what Aaron Cohen said was Birkat Kohanim. Okay? So the Ramban starts off in a very un-Rambanistic way with a defense of Rashi. He says, Rashi makes sense. But Rashi says, it makes sense. It makes sense to say that the bracha was Birkat Kohanim. Now listen to Rashi. This is the Rabbi. Yitachein Lomar. could be roughly translated as, but a much better interpretation is, I mean, a better way of understanding it is, is this. Ki Aaron paras kafava shamayim, so here the Ramban, I mean, like if you learn Tanakh, I don't know if there's anybody left who learns Tanakh, I heard on the radio that, that, uh, that the kids dislike Tanakh so much they don't even know anymore what it is when they ask them the question of which course do you dislike the most. So they've never heard of Tanakh. So they write other things because it doesn't even exist. It's like gone. And all the, they fired all the Tanakh teachers in the country, you know, like, because nobody wants to learn Tanakh. There was somebody told me today that the Mithalai, Yushalayim, I don't think this is Lashon Ha'an. That they wanted students to study Tanakh, so they could be teachers of Tanakh, but 
None of the women who were studying wanted to study Tanakh because you couldn't get a job. You ever hear that, that kind of story? So they offered them free tuition if they would become Tanakh majors. Interesting. In Israel, they're offering free tuition to become a Tanakh teacher. And there are no students. Must be something I'm missing. So another, in any event, in any event, the Ramban says, a better interpretation. We all know when Shlomo Amelk built the Beit HaMikdash When he built, finished the Beit HaMikdash There was this great joyous um, day Very very joyous celebration And it says about Shlomo Amelk By Yamod Shlomo Lifnei Mizbach Hashem By Efros Kapava Shama That Shlomo Amelk stood and, and, and opened his hands to heaven the Sham and in the continuation of the story <laughs> later on Ne'eman Vayamod Vayvarech Et kol kahal Yisrael Kol gadol So of course the question if you're learning Tanakh if you're the Rabbah and you're learning the Tanakh so what would you say? You learn this Pasuk. The Pasuk is words. I mean, the words are simple. But the question that you would ask, if you were like a, a Ramban, a little Ramban, a Talmudic scholar, so you'd say, how did Shlomo HaMelech know that this was his cue to make a bracha, to stand up there, put his hands up to heaven, and start saying brachot? I mean, where did Shlomo HaMelech get that from? After all, Shlomo HaMelech was not just an independent actor, but he existed within Jewish history. So, the Ramban said, oh, of course, he learned it from Aaron He learned it from Aaron Where did he learn it from Aaron And He learned it from the Pasuk that we started out with, by Saharon et Yadav. What did Shlomo Amelot do? Picked up his head, Shlomo Amelot. And then what did, what did uh, uh, Aaron Akoin do? He said a bracha. And what did Shlomo Amelot do? He said a bracha. But the bracha that Shlomo Amelot said was original. He originated the bracha. So it makes sense to say, if you say, how did Shlomo HaMelech know that he should make such a bracha? So the answer is, he learned it from Aaron HaKohen. And therefore, what would you have to say about the bracha that Aaron HaKohen said? That it was independent. It wasn't Bikat Kohanim. What you But it was a nice bracha that he thought of. Maybe we know Hashem will came to Aleinu, like Moshe Rabbeinu said. But that's not Rashi's. That's not Rashi's story. That's okay. Because if it were true that Moshe Rabbeinu had commanded Aaron Akoin to do that, then it would be a bracha for the Kohen Gadol. And Shlomo Amalek would not have been able to imitate that. But since Shlomo Amalek's understanding was that Aaron Akoin was acting as a human being, as a person who's gone, gone through this kind of very, very special experience, so as a result, Shlomo Amalek said, I'm the same from the point of experience, not because I'm a Kohen. But because I also went through this tremendous experience of building the Beit HaMikdash, and the time has come, as I said before, to give a bracha. Because bracha is what happens when there's a Yerida after the, after the Aliyah. It's a reference to a source, Ra'iti. Explain that word, that he blessed them. It's Stuma. Stuma means it doesn't have an antecedent. It doesn't have a reference. You don't know what it, 
You don't know what the reference of the bracha is. Yata yodha. Chazar akatu upirish lahalad. Yivarechecha Hashem. Yishmerecha. Yashem panavelech. Bifanecha. Yishashem panavelech. Bifanecha. So he says there's another source that seems to indicate that Rashi is right. Right? It was my understanding is that Rashi is wrong. But there's another source. I admit there's a source of right up that seems to say that Rashi is right. But me, I would think that the word stuma just refers to the fact that we don't know exactly what it is. But not that it is a berkat kohanim. But when it came to the bracha that the kohanim had to give lidorot forever and ever, nit parasha. Vihi shavah bekola kohanim la'olam. And that's the bracha that all of the kohanim have to give b'nei Yisrael la'olam forever and forever. Oshem surim shikhan sivah tov nisut kafayim niyomzeh olalam nitna bracha zo ulevanav lidorot. Now most of the readers of the Ramdan, I mean, when I say that, I haven't consulted with most of the readers of the Ramban, but I'm going to say that anyway. Most of the readers of the Ramban, who I've been able to track down, are of the opinion that the Ramban himself thought that he was right, and that his analogy to Shlomo HaMelech was unbeatable, even though he admits that there are Mikorot in Chazal that seem to indicate with Rashi. So that for us, for us, we could like combine everything. Combine everything. And we could say that it would seem in some that the Birkat Kohanim, if it was given by Aaron Akoi, was not sufficient. And the personal bracha that was given by Moshe and Aaron together was sufficient. Or alternatively, that the personal bracha that was given by Aaron was not sufficient, and the personal bracha that was given by Aaron and Moshe together was sufficient. Was sufficient. And so, we'd have to ask ourselves, is there a distinction between what we call birkat kohanim and what we call a bracha or in modern Hebrew we'd say bracha ishit what's the difference between berkat kohanim and what we call a bracha berkat kohanim is a call for the bracha that might come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. you know it's the kohanim strictly speaking are not the authors of the bracha. They don't bless B'nai Yisrael. Who blesses B'nai Yisrael? HaKadosh Bohu. And HaKadosh Bohu says, or taught us in the Torah, that the way we access this bracha is through the Kohanim. In, in other words, bracha devolves upon people who are in an exalted state. I mean, you could always ask for bracha. Right? You could always ask. 
You can always go to the Red. You can always put a Pesach in the Kotel. You can always do that. That's a request for a Bracha. But there's a Bracha that's a promise. It's going to work. It's going to come down from heaven. It's not a Bracha that you ask for. The Kohanim are not asking for a Bracha. They're facilitating a Bracha. And that's why it's called Avodat Kohanim. The Kohanim have this special privilege. They have this special privilege that Bnei Yisrael in the Beit Hamidash, I'm not talking about Abitay, you know, we only do it, it's only Jabbanan, it's only a memory, it's only a this, but in the Beit Hamidash, when spiritual, when being close to Akkadish Baruch was the danger that was confronted by all the Jews who came to the Beit HaMikdash. It was a danger. It was a living danger, as we'll see, we see. Right, then Achremot. We, we understand the difficulty that people have in being in a spiritual context and following the rules. There's nothing more difficult than that. For us, it's simple. That the rules are there to enable us the spiritual moment. But having achieved that spiritual moment, I mean, what point is there in the rules? And yet we know that when we were given the Torah, the Kodesh Baruch Hu said it, Sinai, there are rules. You can't go beyond this line. You can't come closer than this mark. The rules are part of the spiritual awareness. They're not jettisoned when that awareness seems to come upon us. So that the bracha that is guaranteed at the time that we go away from the spiritual awareness of the Beit HaMikdash is the Birkat Kohanim. And that bracha is facilitated. It's not given by. It's facilitated by the Kohanim. It's, it's there. It's there. And according to Rashi, Aaron Cohen made a mistake, according to Rashi. He thought that the time had come to express or to act on a halacha called Birkat Kohadim. Whereas what HaKadosh Baruch Hu demanded of Aaron HaKohen was to equate himself to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was the great defender of Am Yisrael. From Moshe Rabbeinu, a bracha was, even though it's not obviously forthcoming I, Moshe Rabbeinu, demand it. And so that the completion of the avoda of Aaron HaKohen, that he was made Aaron HaKohen into Aaron HaKohen, was that he recognized that the bracha had to be applied at special times as part of his own personal endeavor and development. And so according to Rashi, According to Rashi, and that Rashi position is not a position that the Ramban wants to give up on easily. But according to Rashi, Aaron HaKohen made a mistake. His mistake was not that he said Birkat Kohanim. 
His mistake was that he didn't say Vayhi Noam. Because Vayhi Noam is the human reaction to the spiritual achievement. It's like a person saying, wow, I could never have imagined that Am Yisrael could get to such heights. And my bracha is that the heights achieved will not themselves create for you a stumbling block. Whereas Yivarecha, Hashem Yishvarecha, is not the bracha of the Kohen. It's not the bracha of the Kohen. And you know, there's an interesting, those of you who are interested in, in the halachic subtext, this halachic subtext, right? You know, there's a question, the Beis HaLevi asked this question, which appears in his Hasagot uh, HaNechumash. Beis HaLevi asked this question. What happens if the Kohadim go? You know, when you say Kiddush, Friday night, if you have five people or ten people on the table or high if they Kiddush, one of them can say it, and everybody else is Yotze, right? One of them can say it, and everybody else is Yotze. That's called Shomer Ka'onem. What exactly Shomer Ka'onem means halachically is itself a matter of some dispute. But the Beis HaLevi says, he asked this question. He said, how come with the Kohanim go up to Duchen, why do they all have to Duchen? Why can't just one of them say it out loud? And everybody else will say Amen. The Kohanim will say Amen. And they'll say, yeah, I'm with you. You know, like we do with Kiddush. One person says Kiddush, everybody else says, okay, yay. So the Kohanim should do the same thing. But we know it's not true. The Kohanim can't do it. Every Kohan has to say Birkat Kohanim. So the Beis HaLevi says, Beis HaLevi says because they have to raise their voices. There's a special halach in Birkat Kohanim that you have to raise your voice. That if it was true that the Birkat Kohanim was a nusach, was a formula, that they said that Shomei could work. But it's not a formula. It's screaming out to heaven, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is that you should do what you promised. So of course if you're screaming to heaven, more screaming is better than less screaming. That's what the Beis lady said. That the obligation of the Kohanim is not that they're saying something that they're obliged to say. They're making a demand on heaven. And when you make a demand, the more noise you make, the better off, the better off you are. So we have this kind of um, education of Aaron Akkoi. That Aaron Akkoi is a Kohen. And even though he's, and as a Kohen, he has formal obligations. Right? He has to bring certain korbanot for the tzibur. He has to demand shuvah and kapara for the tzibur and yom kippurim. He has to do birkat kohanim for the purpose of the tzibur. But in order to be worthy of that position of being able to bring the bracha down from heaven for Kalal Yisrael, he has to be that kind of a person. So that some place in his investiture, on that day, on the eighth day of Niluim, Aaron Cohen had to express himself and say, I wish them bracha. I wish them whatever my bracha can add to this, to this tremendous outpouring of spiritual experience. And Moshe Rabbeinu had to take him by the hand. And it's interesting, the Benjus is maybe trying to teach you something about the Torah. Torah is difficult, but it's complicated. Or maybe Moshe Rabbeinu just came to tell him, listen, you have to still be compassionate. You have to still be a person of bracha. It's not enough to be a vehicle of bracha. It's not sufficient 
to be the technocrat of bracha. You have to feel that bracha within you. And when you feel that bracha within you, the Moshe Rabbeinu taught Aaron HaKohen, then you can be the technocrat of the bracha as well. Yes, you're going to go and you do birkat koanim. You do birkat koanim for Am Yisrael. And you're going to make that demand of HaKadosh But you know, to make that demand of HaKadosh don't think it's automatic. But you have to be able to say, but you know, which is not such a big deal. It's an awareness. It's a sympathy. It's a sympathy with the other people, with Am Yisrael. And the Kohen Gadol is a leader. He's the leader in the world of Brachot. And in order to lead Am Yisrael to Bracha, you have to be a Bracha kind of personality. You have to give it out. You have to want it for other people. Otherwise, even serving as a conduit will not be uh, uh, available to you. Or will not be accessible to the way you are. Have a good choice.